Coming up on this week's Planet Japan, we'll introduce you to our wonderful Planet Japan audience, and we'll find out if Japanese have low self-esteem or not. Stay tuned to episode 105, The Case of the Drooling Cockroach. Direct from Okayama City in the heartland of Japan, it's yet another episode of Planet Japan with Amy and Doug. Join them as they guide you through the wacky and the whimsical, the weird and the wonderful, from everyone's favorite planet, from sea to shining sea. It's time for another exciting adventure. And now, here's Amy and Doug. So, you want to hear a joke? Sure. This one's about a burglar. And, and a burglar breaks into a house, you know, which is what burglars do.、Mm. It's their job. He sees a CD player and、uh, he decides that he wants it, so of course he takes it. But then, this is odd, he, he hears a voice that says, Jesus is watching you. Well, that was kind of strange. He, he looked around, he, he's got his flashlight, and he's thinking to himself, What the hell was that? But suddenly he sees some money on the table. Of course, he's got to take that. So he takes it, but then once again, he hears that mysterious voice. Jesus is watching you. So after that, he hides in a corner because he's kind of afraid at this point, and、uh, he's trying to find where the voice is coming from. Suddenly, he sees a birdcage with a parrot. Aha! A parrot. He goes over to the parrot and he says, Hey, was that your voice? And the parrot says, Sure was. What's your name? Moses. Moses? What kind of person names his bird Moses? The same kind of person who names their Doberman Jesus. Bing. Jesus is watching you. It's a Jesus Doberman joke. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a canine、uh-huh. religious joke. Exactly.、Mm-hmm. It's the perfect combination, really. So, welcome everyone to episode 105 of the Planet Japan. I am Doug DeLong. And I'm Amy Moo Chavez. Indeed. And we've probably got maybe the best show ever tonight. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. No, not you. <laughs> the people listening to the radio show. <laughs> hey, you know what?、Yeah. We actually have an idea who these people are now. We do because we, we took a survey, and many people were nice enough to help us out with our listener survey. And tonight we have some actual results. Yeah, we'd like to thank everyone who has taken the survey. You can still take it. Yeah, if you haven't、uh, taken the survey yet, just gone over to our website at planetjapan.org and you'll see a link there or go to the,、uh, the blog at planetjapanpodcast.blogspot.com.、Yeah. So, what did we find out? How old do you think our listeners are? I'd say most of them are probably、uh, children between the ages of 10 and 13. Um, actually, <laughs> just one is. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And I noticed that they only started at age 12. It's like, what about all the babies who listen to Planet、exactly. Japan? That's right. Why aren't they included? What about them? What, I mean, they're probably already mooing. <laughs> so, how old are our listeners? Okay. In the top spot at 31% are those age 25 to 34. 25 to 34, the perfect demographic. Yeah. And yeah. then just below that, coming in at 29%. Is the age bracket of 35 to 44. Okay.、Mm-hmm. That sounds good. And after that, 16% is the 18 to 24 year olds. Ah. So we have a nice, yeah, nice well rounded audience. Group out there. Yeah. yeah. Now, how many of our audience are over 100?、Um, I was getting to that. Okay. And they are, along with the babies, not even represented. Well, Imagine having a、really、podcast、fair. in Japan、yeah. and having the highest age. 
B64 in the survey. Oh, that's not right. I would <laughs> dare say a few people were offended at that. <laughs> but I did notice our audience is amazingly well-educated. Okay, 33% of our listeners graduated from a four-year college. Now, that doesn't include people you know who have a master's or doctoral degree who also graduated from mm-hmm. a four-year college. They're in a separate category. So 21%, another 21% of our listeners have master's degrees. Wow. And another 4% have doctoral degrees. Amazing. Yeah. If you add up all the numbers for everyone who has at least two years of college, what number do we get? 69% of our listeners have a degree. Have at least uh, two years of college. Right. That's pretty good. Yeah. So congratulations to our highly educated audience. Now, most of our listeners, 17% to be exact, make sixty to $75,000 a year income. Wow, that's good. That's more than us two combined. I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, remember those donations? (laughs) Yeah, where are those donations? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, tied for a second place on income brackets, 14% made between 75 and 100,000, but then again, another 14% (laughs) made between 30 and 40,000. Okay, but so it looks like most of our listeners are uh, pretty well off. Hey, and one person makes over 200000 And I want to know that person. Well, actually, even if we were to hit up this 11% of our listeners who make between one hundred and one hundred fifty thousand, well, you yeah, know, that would be kind of nice. Sure. Yeah. Wow. Mm. That's amazing. It is. Makes me want to go out and, and get a real job. It does. Forget <laughs> this podcasting stuff. And 67% of our listeners work full-time. And 20% are students. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, that sounds good. Would you like to know their marital status? Uh, yes, I would. Really? Oh, sure. Okay. 61% are single and 33% are married. And the others are divorced or separated. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm a little surprised. That's uh, almost twice as many of our listeners are single as are married. And the conclusion being? The conclusion being that uh, people are smarter than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, oh no, I just I just thought I, I thought it would be more evenly split, I guess. Maybe we should do a dating show for all our single listeners. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. That would be fun. Where'd you meet? Planet Japan. Uh-huh. Mm. We could do that. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's a little bit of information on our listeners. Summer's here, which means only one thing. Cockroaches are back. Oh, my gosh. Tell me about it. I've got baby cockroaches all over my house. Baby cockroaches? Yeah. Well, they're so cute when they're babies. Well, they are. This is, yeah. Yeah. But they're nasty. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. But they're smarter than we think, too. Yeah, I've heard that. A lot of people think dogs are really smart, but uh, here in Japan, they've discovered that cockroaches can be just as smart as a dog. That's right. Yeah. Um, well, at least as smart as Pavlov's dogs, anyway. Uh-huh. You know, and they were taught to salivate. Not taught. They were conditioned to salivate at the ring of a bell before right. their feeding time. Are you telling me that uh, they're teaching cockroaches to salivate now? Not only that, drool. That's not a pretty picture. Yeah. Cockroaches <laughs> can be conditioned to drool. If I can train my cockroach, for example, to bring me my newspaper, that would be something. Your cockroach would have to go down six flights of steps to get that newspaper. And probably have to use take along some of his friends as well. I bet they have a union organized yeah. and would be against that. But this sounds, I don't know. I don't know if I believe this. 
it sounds kind of odd that you can train a cockroach to do anything. Well, these are Japanese scientists who oh, well, have okay. done all this research. Uh-huh. So you do have to wonder what's behind it all. Well, he says that we believe it is very important to study a simple system to precisely determine what is happening during the learning phase of cockroaches. Uh-huh. And then, he says, we hope it is at least in part applicable to humans. <laughs> okay. So to get us salivating, I suppose? Maybe. Uh, on command? Yeah. Could be... Helpful. I have a better idea. Just kill all the cockroaches and send them straight to hell. Uh, but you can't do that. I mean, people have been trying to do that for years. Yeah, and I, I keep hearing that cockroaches someday, possibly soon, are going to take over the world. Well, they certainly could. Yeah. Let's hope they're not that smart. Japanese cockroaches especially, they're, they're as big as Volkswagens, for one thing, and they fly. I know. It's gross. Nothing it? worse than a flying Volkswagen cockroach. <laughs> True. They're nasty. And they're fast. They're impossible to catch. We'll keep you up to date on any uh, new findings we hear about drilling cockroaches. Yeah, if you see a, a drilling cockroach, be careful. I wouldn't approach it. No, you no. could get eaten alive. Yeah, just stay away. Yeah, because they've been conditioned. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I've discovered that uh, one of the problems with cockroaches is that whenever I see one, it really affects my self-esteem. Oh, really? It goes way down. I think less of myself... When I see a cockroach, I'm not sure why that happens exactly, but maybe uh, this new study can help me out. Maybe. Well, several weeks ago, there was an article in the paper saying that Japanese students have lower self-esteem than other students, such as Chinese or Western students, Mm. who are considered to be a bit more assertive. Really? Yeah. Okay. And when I read that article, I thought, oh... Come on, that's not true. However, now someone is fighting this, and they're saying, indeed, that's not true. And what they did is they studied how they actually came up with these results on how to measure people's self-esteem. The way they tested self-esteem was through a test called the IAT, or Implicit Association Test. And it uses words such as pleasant or unpleasant, to pop up on a computer screen, one after another, to measure the strength in associations of oneself and others. Hmm. They determine the level of self-esteem by measuring the response time of the students and connecting those words with themselves. Since the Japanese tend to refrain from taking a clear stance and tend to pick neutral answers... It's been thought by many that the Japanese have lower self-esteem than the Americans and the Chinese. However, according to this social psychology professor at the University of Tokyo, his name is uh, Susumu Yamaguchi, he says that, that Japanese students are just more modest, that there's a tendency in Japan that people who show a high self-esteem are not liked by others. It seems this has something to do with the fact that the virtue of modesty is highly valued here. So, in other words, people don't go around associating themselves more highly than others. And they don't like people who do. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not really looked upon as being so good. Right. Not a good trait at all. Where in our societies, it's quite valued, this independence and, you know, Mm self-assertion. So I, I often think of these things when I read these articles that are measuring across cultures Along Western standards. Right. You have to, like, question some of these things and say, now, how mm-hmm. did they come up with these results? 
So I was really glad to see this article. Good point. Mm -hmm. If there are any of our Japanese listeners who are suffering from low self-esteem right now, go ahead, give <laughs> us a call. I'll, uh, I'll make you feel better Yeah. about yourself. Mm -hmm. I'm good at that. And you're pleasant. I'm very pleasant. Damn it. So, is it time for a cowtail? It certainly is time for a cowtail. Now, this is a little bit early, but there's nothing like preparation for a special day. Sure. You have to get ready. That's right. Mm -hmm. And everyone will need some time to prepare for this. There's a very special day coming for all the bovines in our lives. July 15th is Cow Appreciation Day. So, um, everyone, you should go out and buy your favorite cow a gift. Some flowers, maybe. Oh, they would really like that. Yeah. They, they would eat them right up. Take a cow to lunch. Surely. Mm -hmm. But uh -huh. let, let him pay. They don't like to be treated. That's not true. No, they like, they like to pay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I can just imagine like places like India mm -hmm. on Cow Appreciation Day. Can oh, you imagine? It'd be wild. It must be a commercial success. Oh, sure. Bring your cow shopping, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Buy your cow a greeting card for his uh -huh. special day. You know what I would do on Cow Appreciation Day? I would uh, eat as many hamburgers as possible. That's not appreciation. Because I appreciate hamburgers. And I appreciate mm. the sacrifice made by our bovine friends. I don't think that's what Cow Appreciation Day <laughs> is all about. <laughs> Uh, really? It's not the spirit of the day? You know, really, there should be a Peanuts movie about this. They have, like, the Great Pumpkin. Mm -hmm. They should have Cow Appreciation Day. Okay. Wouldn't that be nice? I'll run that by the Peanuts people and see what they think about it. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. That'd be good. Anyway, um, I do hear that cows like chocolate. Mm -hmm. So you could buy some chocolate for your favorite cow or just drop by the pasture and, you know... Leave a little package of chocolate on the fence post. That would be nice. Mm hmm Yeah. There are lots of things you can do for cows. Cow Appreciation Day. Yeah. Or, you know, even just a little moo as you're passing by in the car, mm -hmm. roll down the window, and just let out a moo because no one ever says hello to cows. That's true, yeah. Yeah. So let them know they're appreciated. Okay. Okay? July 15th. Right. Coming soon to a pasture near you. So, uh, have you seen this new Clint Eastwood movie? It's called Letters from Iwo Jima. Ah, well, he's politically incorrect. Yeah, apparently they're going to have to change the name of the movie now. Yeah. Yeah, because they're changing the name of the island itself. Well, actually, letters from Iwo Jima, I imagine they were written when... The island was called Iwo Jima. Right. Which the Americans did. It used to be called Iwo To. And To in Shima or Jima, they all mean the same thing. They all mean island. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a different way of saying it. So where it's Shiraishi Jima, where right. I live, Shiraishi Island or White Rock Island. Oh, I like that. It's Bali To. That sounds like it should be a, a mystery novel. What does? The Mystery of White Rock Island. Oh, yeah. That would be good. Uh-huh. Yeah. There are lots of mysteries on the island. Sure. Uh-huh. It's um, very spiritual. And so now Iwo Jima is once again known as... Iwo To. So it's no longer Iwo Jima. No. Really? Officially. And um, it was renamed Iwo To by the locals who had always lived there mm -hmm. and wanted to see their island go back to its original name. 
It's kind of like someone coming in and calling uh, your hometown Paris, <laughs> you know, and then yeah. thinking, wow, what's up here? So you mean the Americans renamed it Iwo Jima? The island became widely known as Iwo Jima as U.S. military personnel spread its name far and wide. doesn't really tell us any more than that. Yeah, but yeah. Then so it says some Japanese mainlanders used to call it Iwo Jima also. So obviously people didn't. I mean, it wasn't a very well-known island. It was just the the battle there that made it so famous. Mm-hmm. And some people, you know, even Japanese, if they saw the kanji, they wouldn't know if it was To or, you know, Jima anyway. So right. so ever since the war, it's been Iwo Jima, but now it's back to the original name. Iwo To. Iwo To. Yeah. Well, speaking of war stories, our friends at the uh, Pentagon, apparently in the last um, 10, 15 years, have been busy trying to cook up new ways to help win the wars mm-hmm. that we find ourselves uh, constantly constantly engaged in. <laughs> yes, those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I wrote this up on my, on my blog, the uh, Nuts, Dicks, and Boobs blog. Oh, okay. Which, of course, can be found at nutsanddicks.blogspot.com. Don't forget to go there. Anyway, this is a, just one of those unbelievable things that you say that can't possibly be true. Right. Yeah. And yet it is because... A group of folks from something called the Sunshine Project uh, used the uh, U.S. Freedom of Information Act to find out that uh, our friends at the Pentagon, or the Department of Defense, came up with a scheme uh, back around 1994. They wanted $7.5 million because they were going to take that money and develop what has now become known as a gay bomb. Wow, a gay bomb. (laughs) Here's the idea. It's a high concept. You get this bomb full of like chemicals or hormones or whatever. Aphrodisiacs. Aphrodisiacs. You drop this bomb on the enemy and it turns them gay. (laughs) Just like that. What's wrong with that? And Well, here's the idea. It's great because then they start making out with each other and they're not so interested in, in fighting, you know, us. Well, wouldn't Viagra do the same thing? Make love, not war. Exactly. Make love, not war. Mm-hmm. That's the whole concept. Right. Yeah. Now, um, uh, apparently this is drawing a certain amount of ridicule from people on the web. And the Pentagon says, oh, we never really seriously thought about it. It was just one guy <laughs> who thought maybe, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, the people at the uh, Sunshine Project say, oh, no, no. Nay, nay. The proposal was not rejected out of hand. It has received further consideration. And they say the concept was included in a promotional CD-ROM on non-lethal weapons in the year 2000 and was even submitted to the National Academies of Science the following year. So this means that there's an actual aphrodisiac that encourages people to be gay? Could be. This is, you know, it could be something <laughs> like ecstasy, you know? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, people yeah. start taking this in drug form and, mm-hmm. yeah. The gay bomb never really caught on. But uh, just one of those highly, you know, those high conceptual things. Right. That wasn't the only idea they had. Uh, These geniuses also came up with something called the halitosis bomb. (laughs) Now this I can see working. The idea, of course, being to to give the enemy bad breath. And then when they try to mingle in with the civilian population, right away you know, hey, he's a bad guy. He's got bad breath. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Right. Equally as frightening as that concept was the uh, what became known as the Who Me Bomb mm, or the, the Farting Bomb. Ah, who, I like who that. Me? Who Me? 
<laughs> Talk about dropping the bomb. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The idea, of course, make the enemy fart easier to find. <laughs> <laughs> so they're having a problem um, distinguishing between the uniforms to know who's the enemy? Is that it here? Perhaps that's it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Right. Not sure what the... You know, the thinking was those pink cam- camouflage clothing. You know, yeah. it just exactly. So, uh, as a result of these really truly innovative ideas coming out of the Department of Defense or the Pentagon, as we refer to it in the industry, we would like to name the Pentagon this week's Dick of the Week. All right, congratulations! Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. and for making all those unnecessary wars, you know, we'll throw that into. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. That is uh, unbelievable. Okay, finally, before we take our leave, we would like to mention that uh, one of our favorite uh, listeners by the name of Malcolm. Oh, yeah. I love Malcolm. He's great. Yeah. He's finally opening up a uh, a new restaurant <gasps> he over opened there it. in London. It's opening July 11th. That's great. It's called Bincho. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, um, Malcolm's an interesting guy. He's half Australian, uh, half Japanese. Mm. Yeah, upper half I believe is Japanese, lower half Australian. Ah, uh, well that's good. Yeah, if you got to choose a half to be Australian, mm-hmm. I'd choose the lower half too. <laughs> and the restaurant's in London, right along the. Um, it's located in a in a famous old building called the Oxo Tower, and it's um, right along the Thames River. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right in the heart of London. Hmm. So yeah, if you're ever in the vicinity. Stop on by and say hello. We should just fly over there for uh, dinner. Yeah, we might just have to do that. Wouldn't that be nice? So, good luck to Malcolm and his brand new Japanese restaurant. All right, good luck, Malcolm. And I'll send you a moo. Moo. Now, that was a special good luck moo. And I'm still waiting for that fortune to come. I have been keeping my toilet clean. Indeed, yeah. I've been trying my best, too. And keeping the lid down. Mm-hmm. And I'm still waiting for the fortune, but... Good fortune comes to those who wait. That's what I've heard. So, yeah, yeah, maybe next week. Well, I think it's probably time to ski-daddle. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We will be back next week. All right. Whether you want us to or not, <laughs> we're going to be here. And see you all out at the Moo Bar. Yeah. All right. You too, Doug. Hope to see you out there soon. I'll try my best. All right. And don't forget to uh, check us out at planetjapan.org. That's the website. Email address is planetjapan07 at gmail.com. And we'll close out the show tonight with a brand new song called Odd Bird from one of my very favorite groups, the Lascivious Biddies, courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Sayonara. You're one of the weirdest people I've met. Strangest duck in the pond. Oddest bird in the nest. How did I get caught? You wear your grandfather's pants With ties that are much too bold Yet you walk with a bounce in your step Like so many other men You tell a 